0: These recluses, sons of the Sockians, have great desires. They are not contented. It is not easy to present them with robes. Welcome back. This is Edward Reeb's Buddhist Books Podcast, episode ninety-six, uh, Tipitaka Part Thirty-five, in which I will be reciting Nisadiya, right, parts eight and nine. If this is your first time seeing me, do click here. That will take you to the Tipi Taka playlist. You can start with episode one. I would like to welcome our special guests, Shiva and Shivaji, Lord Shiva. Now, it can be a little confusing because Shivaji sounds an awful lot like a respectful way of, say, of referring to Lord Shiva. Because you say Shiva, you say, you know, people might say Edward G when they're, they're being respectful. Um, so to say Shiva G is like a respectful way of referring to Shiva, right? Well, um, it turns out uh, it can be a little confusing. Um, for example, if you go to Maharashtra and you hang out with these guys and you go to this temple, you might walk away with the impression that Shivaji, the king of Maharashtra from uh, about eight or 900 years ago, I don't know exactly when. Um, when did the Mongols rule China? I don't know, I just work here. Anyway, uh, that's a Bill and Ted thing. Uh, so anyway, when, um, when I went to Maharashtra, I went to this, uh, temple and everything was covered in turmeric and I, I swear to whoever that, uh, that I, that they told me that that King was an avatar of Shiva. In fact... I walked away with the impression that he was the second avatar of Shiva. I posted as much on my Instagram at the time, and nobody corrected me. Uh, Shiva is said to have had 24 avatars, and just now, just now, I found out that uh, Shivaji, the king of Maharashtra, who fought off Genghis Khan, which is quite a thing to do, uh, was not considered one of them, um, as far as I can tell. but. I don't know, you know, sometimes sometimes people get ideas and it's kind of interesting. I, I want to remind you that I'm not a teacher. I'm I'm not claiming to be a teacher. I'm reading these words to you. These words themselves have authority. The stuff I say when I'm not reading is just the stuff that's in here, which has as much value as it has, but it doesn't have the same value as someone with a PhD in a college somewhere teaching comparative religion is that that's pretty clear right um so you know i do my best i share anecdotes and i share kind of like my experiences from living in india and traveling and that kind of thing um for example you might run into people in maharashtra who claim that uh, this is an avatar of lord shiva again it's not so there are two people here one is a god one is a man Uh, You you people might theorize that Shiva at one time was a man uh, or or that he incarnated 24 times as a man, Um, but he is a god. He's one of the three main gods of uh, Vedic Hinduism. Um, He's said to be the destroyer in sort of an oversimplified uh, cliff notes version of Hinduism that sort of is uh, common in the West. But um, I haven't really, you know. He has one aspect in which he is the destroyer. What's that? What's that music? Here? Um, um. Well, uh, yeah. If you want to hear the whole thing, that's over here. That is the song that's attributed to the dance that Shiva does at the end of every Kali Yuga age. So there's this idea that there's these ages. You've probably heard people talk about Kali Yuga. Now, uh, this goes back to a game of dice or nuts, a game of nuts, where uh, people would throw these nuts and then depending on how they landed, it was uh, one of four different hands, one of four different throws. The worst one that you could throw was the Kali throw. Um, and so, with that in mind, they, uh, someone came up with the four ages, uh, the four yugas, these long, long, long periods that often last for millions of years. In the case of Kali Yuga, it lasts for 450,000 years. And it began something like 3500 BC, and it will end in about another, you know, Uh, 445,000 years, and so when people talk about it's Kali Yuga, and they're kind of coming from having been raised Christian and had this idea that the apocalypse is coming any minute, and then they become yogis and New Agers, and then they just change that for Kali Yuga, and think that Kali Yuga is just something that's been happening since the Industrial Revolution, or perhaps since I don't know Reagan or whatever. Um yeah, not quite. It's it's some it's sort of just generally speaking the era that we're in. Um humanity uh was around before it, but civilized humans not so much. Um all of civilization, all of recorded history, you could say uh takes place within Kali Yuga if you're into the yugas. Okay, what am I talking about? At the end of Kali Yuga, there's some big destruction thing, which if you're still alive in about 450,000 years, then you'll get to witness Shiva doing that dance while that song is playing, according to tradition. Um, and that will destroy uh, all the the corruption uh, in which the sacred has become profane and the profane has become sacred. And people might go, oh, sounds like woke culture to me. And you can fuck. I'm sorry, uh, but anyway, uh, not the woke culture—the people who think that—who equate these two things. Um, so that's my personal opinion, by the way. Uh, a lot of people—I don't know. There's like a there, there's 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 a, a, a vesica Pisces where you have like these sort of right wing, you know, fascists on one hand, and you have like New Age and Vajrayana Buddhism and yoga, and there's, then there's the people who assume that the two go together and that there's some kind of uh, relationship between the two i'm more on the other side of that i'm i i assume that there's there's a correlation between uh being a decent person and, and you know a little bit more of a leftist and uh being a spiritual person an assumption which uh, having grown and discovered that the you know how the other half think i i've come to uh kind of go huh that's weird but i'm definitely not the sort that thinks well, I better not talk about anything sensitive or political or I'm going to lose half of my audience. I don't care if I lose half of my audience. I'm going to be real with you guys. So there you have it. That's where I'm coming from. Aside from all that, um, in a few days, four to be specific, uh, Priyal and I are going to be going away and I will continue to uh, record and upload these episodes but i've noticed that when i'm when i don't have this background behind me when when i have uh you know some kind of tropical thing or or a hotel room the videos don't get as you know they get like 14 views um and zero to one likes where uh i don't know people seem to like this and 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 the the guests i don't know um so yeah I'm, i'm i might be going a little nuts with the guests here um i was actually you know thinking uh yeah, I don't know who to who to have for a special guest for today, and then this happened, and um, and then at the at the end of that, some people were saying hi to me, and I replied with "Hari Krishna," and uh, my my beautiful wife Priyal uh, pointed out to me that that they were uh, devotees of Lord Shiva, not uh, not Hari Krishnas from the local Laskon temple, and I was rather embarrassed. Um, one of the, the roles that Priyal plays in my life is she's sort of my ongoing guide here in, in India. Um, so, Yeah, she she helps to correct me with some of these things. Like, for example, when I was talking about oh, who's the second avatar of Shiva? The one who was the king in Maharashtra? And she said, what are you talking about? And then I looked it up and came to discover that, yeah, that's not true. So Just because something comes out of my mouth because I heard it somewhere doesn't mean it's true. So take everything I say with a grain of salt, I guess. When I was in Nepal um, about four years ago, I remember I met uh, the Goyal family and I remember uh, Ajay telling me that the Dalai Lama was the king of Buddhism. And I I tried to explain, you know, that, um, you know, about Theravada and and how Vajrayana from A certain perspective can barely be called buddhism um and certainly the dalai lama is not the king of it and uh the the lineage that he is part of sure he is the head of that or you might say the king of that and he he used to have a role that was a lot like being the king of tibet before the chinese took over and then the government in exile he's sort of the king of that you might say um but not the king of Buddhism. That's that's kind of a different thing. That's sort of like saying that Donald Trump was the president of Christianity for four years, or, uh, or you know, someone in uh, a PM in Israel is the is the prime minister of Judaism or something. It's it's not not reality. It's not not a not a truism. Um, I could make one more example, but I hesitate to because I live here. Um, but let's just say that there are sacred things and, and, and religious doctrines which extend far beyond the borders of any kind of nationalistic version of them. That's all I'm saying, just in general. Um, that all being said, he says nervously. Um, yeah, have I talked enough about this? Is, uh, this is a Shiva Ling. This is the most ancient form of Shiva, you might say. I don't know if this was always there, but this is a pretty, you know, a replica of a pretty ancient symbol. This is meant to be, you know, uh, the female sexual organ. And this is the male sexual organ. And for the folks out there who are like, man, I wish I I, I missed when this guy was into Western esotericism. You might be familiar with the uh, Arthur Edward Waite, the one who was too Christian for Crowley. He included the uh, Shiva Ling in the chariot card right here as painted of course by Pamela Coleman Smith though from what I understand he was kind of designing it and she was painting it but you know I don't want to get into all that. Uh, So yes um, you can might recognize this if you've seen (laughs) Baubali. Um, I definitely am not going to. Well, I think I was able to play some of the music from that, but it's like banned in Iran, Syria, Cuba, and North Korea. Sorry to my viewers in uh, those four countries. Uh, You won't be able to hear the music from that. But anyway, so that's that. Oh, and here's one more thing. So that is uh, the music I use on, on, on our sister podcast, To Be a Yogi. Um, And that particular musician, he says slowly to make sure that there's a good solid 12 or 17 seconds or whatever it is in between YouTube cards, is named Bryant Dahl. And there's an interview with him, which uh, some of you should not listen to, but others, you know, probably would enjoy it. Um, What else? There's a lot. Uh, so, I became a, a yoga teacher. I started that podcast to be a yogi, um, prompted by wanting to be able to meditate properly and to sit in lotus position and As I sort of looked at the various Buddhist documents, the sutras and what have you, and uh, all of that, I came to the i want to say realization but i 'll just say I, I came to the conclusion that yoga would be the best path for me to learn how to meditate in the best possible way um, in order to follow in the footsteps of buddha in the best possible way in the spirit of dogen uh, a dogen the zen master and listening to a lot of alan watts lectures back in the day the way he put it was uh, lord buddha was a yogi that he was practicing yoga he would do his yoga stretches which came around uh, in the 1500s common era. But anyway, uh, you know, all those 24 uh, uh, in the Hatha Yoga Prada Pika. Prada Pika? Anyway. Uh, and it, a couple of anecdotes. One anecdote I wanted to share was when I went to Nepal, I had already been a yoga teacher at that time for four years in California. And I ended up, uh, there was one point where I went to, I think, uh, Baseri, and uh and did my yoga every day at this little shiva temple shiva shrine up there with a beautiful view of the mountains and uh and uh when i went on the uh annapurna base camp trek i noticed at the top that there were these uh oh what are they called okay i'm so sorry i'll write it up here that's the name of that trident it's not a trident it's but it's the uh, the three-pronged thing that shiva carries and they would they would have tibetan flags with that symbol um in nepal there's as i mentioned in the previous episode tibetan buddhism or you know tantric buddhism uh, vajrayana buddhism is already kind of a blending of of hinduism with buddhism but there are a lot of people in nepal who would identify as being religiously uh hindu they were raised hindu they practice hinduism their family's hindu they do all the hindu things but they 've chosen the path of Buddhism, Vajrayana Buddhism, and so um, so yeah, the, you, you, that essence, that current you might say, exists in Nepal to a great extent, and uh, for a while, when I was planning to build a yoga studio, I wanted to have that Shiva symbol with the uh, with the Vajrayana banners. But anyway, so I ended up teaching yoga uh, at a studio in Kathmandu, and the uh, the founder and owner of that studio. He had an interesting perspective. Um, he came from a yogi family that also practiced tantra, and he or tantra, tantra. Sorry, my pronunciations aren't so good. And he he would often tell me that he he didn't understand why all these westerners would come to Kathmandu, and they were always talking about tantric Buddhism. They wanted they wanted to learn about tantric Buddhism, and he would say. Tantra has nothing whatsoever to do with Buddhism. What kind of ignoramus are you? And uh, okay, okay. You know, I I would say I, I hear what you're saying and I understand why you're saying that however as tantra was developing within hinduism it also influenced mahayana buddhism and the product of that was vajrayana buddhism which if you look everywhere all around see that stupa see that 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 flag see that monk see that that's tantric buddhism that's vajrayana slash tantric buddhism so yeah um don't know what to tell you and i i don't know if that ever sunk in but um Yeah. So he he would often talk about how there's the yoga path on one hand, and there's the tantric path on the other hand, and that Buddha was on the yoga path. Uh, That was the path of of, uh, asceticism, the path of abstinence, the path of don't drink alcohol, don't have sex don't do any of these things where tantra was the path of go ahead and do those things but do them mindfully and within certain limits you know don't go crazy you know unless you want to take the left hand tantric path and go go the wrong way for a while and then find your way back you know like there's there's more freedom to maneuver on the tantric path uh toward enlightenment or mastery or whatever you want to call it and then the the ascetic path of yoga or buddhism um which i would i would call more Theravada Buddhism, uh, where the other one is Vajrayana Buddhism. There's both yogic and tantric paths using his terminology within Buddhism in the sense of different forms of Buddhism, right? You've been following this podcast before now, so you kind of understand that. Uh, but, but yeah, so he, he was Hindu. He w- you know, was, uh, was coming from the standpoint that Shiva introduced yoga to the world. And Shiva introduced the path to nirvana, the path to enlightenment, and Lord Buddha, well, he would say Buddha was imitating Lord Shiva, I would say Lord Buddha, you know, um, just potato, potato. But anyway, uh, that that the Buddha was imitating Shiva, and I, I remember I mentioned that to Priyal and she kind of got a little bit upset and was like, well, the difference between Shiva and Buddha is that Buddha was an actual person, and Shiva is a myth. And so, uh, you know, people have their strong feelings uh, about these things, and it, it, it's a little bit touchy. You know, um, I don't have, like, you know, a strong, firm... I, I feel a great affinity for Shiva. Uh, when we were married, we were more or less in the role of Parvati and Shiva, as you can see here. I'm, I'm, here in the role of Shiva during the wedding. So, uh, you know, and I formally converted to Hinduism in order to be legally married in a, in a Hindu temple in India. Um, so, you know, from a certain standpoint, I'm more Hindu than I am Buddhist, and being a yoga teacher and all that. Uh, However, I I do have a very strong interest in Buddhism and having been raised with a Vajrayana Buddhist practice. So I'm a bit of a mixed bird, you might say, myself, which is probably why that um, Shiva and Vajrayana symbol resonated for me up at the top of the, uh, well, the top of the Annapurna base camp trek, which means the bottom of Annapurna. So it's not the top of anything, really. Um, But, uh, yeah, so that's basically it uh, I don't know if did, did, did you get anything out of that here's, uh, here's a little bit of footage of Pashupatanath which I went to on Shiva Ratri which is the one day, well one of the days out of the year when you can basically legally have weed because uh, one of the things about Shiva at least in uh, one or two of his incarnations was that he was a fan of the, the well he would do it like this more, more of this kind of thing you know, put the put it in here and you know uh so yeah so you're basically allowed to smoke weed or or to drink uh marijuana based yogurt during shiva ratri and uh, also during um holi which is another i, I think holi is related more to krishna and radha but anyway people people are allowed to do that basically allowed the police just don't enforce that law on that day of the year what else um, I don't know. I think I covered everything. I probably forgot one or two things. But, uh, yeah, I've gone on long enough with the, uh, the special guest segment at the beginning of the episode. But, like I said, starting in about four days, I'm not going to have any special guests with me because I'm not bringing any statues with me where I'm going. Um, so, hopefully the reading on its own will be enjoyable enough. Well, should we get to the reading? Any questions or comments, do comment below. I got a dislike again, second dislike on the, on the, the YouTubes of the, uh, the Buddhist Books podcast. The one that starts out with uh, the clip that it's from the scriptures, by the way, <laughs> where it talks about she took one end in her mouth and put the other end on her private parts. Someone saw that and clicked dislike, I guess. So, c'est la vie, as they say. The French, pretentious people say. Forfeiture, Nisagia eight. at one time. The enlightened one, the Lord, was staying at Savati in the Jetta Grove in Anapindika's monastery. At that time, a certain man said to his wife, quote, I will present Master Upananda with a robe. A certain monk who was going for alms heard the words of this man as he was speaking. Then this monk approached the venerable Upananda, the son of the Sakyans, and having approached, he said to the venerable Upananda, the son of the Sakyans, quote, You, reverend Upananda, are of great merit. On a certain occasion, a certain man said to his wife, quote, within quotes, I will present Master Upananda with a robe. End quote within quotes, end quote. Quote, Your Reverence, he is my supporter, end quote, he said. Then the Venerable Upananda, the son of the Sakyans, approached this man, and having approached, he said to this man, quote, Is it true, as is said, that you, sir, desire to present me with a robe? End quote. Quote, did I not also think, Master, I will present Upananda with a robe? End quote. Quote, If you, sir, desire to present me with a robe, present me with a robe like this. What shall I do with one presented that I cannot make use of? End quote. Then that man, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, These recluses, sons of the Sakyans, have great desires. They are not contented. It is not easy to present them with a robe. How can Master Upananda, before being invited by me, approach, approaching me, put forward a consideration with regard to a robe? Monks heard that man who, three dots, spread it about. Those who were modest monks, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, how can the Venerable Upananda, the son of the Sakyans, before being invited, approaching a householder, put forward a consideration with regard to a robe? End quote. Then these monks told this matter to the Lord. He said, quote, Is it true, as is said, that you, Upananda, before being invited, approaching a householder, Put forward a consideration with regard to a robe. End quote. It is true, Lord. End quote. quote. Is he a relation of yours, Upananda, or not a relation? End quote. He is not a relation, Lord, he said. Quote. Foolish man. How <clears throat> foolish man. One who is not a relation does not know what is suitable or what is unsuitable, or what is right or what is wrong for one who is not a relation. Thus you, foolish man, before being invited, approaching a householder who is not a relation, will put forward a consideration with regard to a robe. It is not foolish man. For pleasing those who are not yet pleased. Three dots, yet in parentheses. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. In case a robe fund comes to be laid by for a monk by a man or a woman householder who is not a relation, parentheses of his and parentheses, thinking, quote, within quotes, I will present. The monk so-and-so with a robe, having got the robe in exchange for this robe fund, quote within quotes, then if that monk, out of desire for something fine, approaching before being invited, should put forward a consideration with regard to a robe, saying, quote within quotes, Indeed, it would be well. Do let the venerable one, having got a robe like this or that, in exchange for this robe fund, present it to me. There is an offensive expiation involving forfeiture. For a monk means, for the good of a monk, making a monk an object, being desirous of presenting to a monk. A man who is not a relation means one who is not related on the mother's side or on the father's side back seven generations. A householder means he who lives in a house. A woman householder means she who lives in a house robe fund means gold or a gold coin or a pearl or a jewel or a coral or a plowshare or a piece of cloth piece of being in parentheses or thread or cotton for this robe fund means for what is present having got in exchange means having bartered i will present means i will give then if that monk means that monk for whom the robe fund comes to be laid by. Before being invited means before it was said to him, to him in parentheses, quote, what kind of robe do you want, honored sir? What kind of robe shall I get in exchange for you? End quote within quotes. Approaching means going to the house, approaching him anywhere, him in parentheses. Should put forth a consideration with regard... To a robe means let it be long or wide or rough or soft. End quote. By the way, I mentioned the things that are in parentheses. That might seem annoying and you might wonder why I'm doing that. Um, It's because in parentheses means it's not actually in the original text that the translator has added that word to help with the context. Just so you can kind of like, if you're interested in that, know what the words were as opposed to what english words are added in to help with the context or to help you know clarify a monk gives a monk a robe they'll put in in parentheses a different monk another monk just to like so you're not like is he giving himself the robe? like no of course not if you read it as it is without the parentheses usually it makes perfect sense right anyway For this robe fund means for what is present. Like this or like that means long or wide or rough or soft. Having got an exchange means having bartered. Present it means give it. Out of desire for something fine means wanting what is good, wanting what is costly. If, according to what he says, he gets an exchange one that is long or wide or rough or soft, There is an offense of wrongdoing in the action. It is to be forfeited on acquisition. It is to be forfeited to the order, or to a group, or to an individual. And thus, monks, should it be forfeited? Quote within quotes, honored sirs, before I was invited to take, to take being in parentheses, this robe, approaching a householder who was not a relation, I put forward a consideration with regard to a robe. It is to be forfeited. I forfeit it to the order. End quote, within quotes, three dots. Open quote, three dots. Last time we went over what goes in all those dots, right? The Order should give back three dots. Let the Venerable Ones give back three dots. I will give back this robe to the Venerable One. End quote. I'd say, don't give it back. Let the Order keep it, because the guy already has robes and this fine silk, whatever it is. Why, why give it back? I mean, really, that's my opinion. as as one of the congregation here. Anyway, if he thinks that a man is not a relation when he is not a relation, and, in parentheses, uh, before being invited, approaching a householder, puts forward a consideration regarding a robe, there is an offensive expiation involving forfeiture. If he is in doubt as to whether the man is not a relation, and, in parentheses, before being invited, approaching a householder, Puts forward a consideration with regard to a robe, there is an offense of expiation involving forfeiture. If he thinks that a man is a relation when he is not a relation, and, in parentheses, before being invited, approaching a householder, puts forward a consideration with regard to a robe, there is an offense of expiation involving forfeiture. If he thinks that a man is not a relation when he is a relation, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he is in doubt as to whether a man is a relation, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that a man is a relation when he is a relation, there is no offense. That part seemed to be a little subtly different from in previous chapters where it's an offense involving forfeiture. If he's not a relation but he thinks he is, if he is a relation but he thinks he's not, here it's an offense of wrongdoing. So that's interesting. There is no offense if they belong to relations, if they are invited, if it is for another, if it is by means of his own property, if he gets something of small value in exchange while he desires to get something costly in exchange, if he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer. So that's interesting if he says, I would like that fine silk robe, and they're like, here's a burlap sack you can walk around in this, then there's no offense, because he already got punished, I guess. (laughs) That's fun. Forfeiture Nisagia 9. At one time, the Enlightened One, the Lord, was staying at Savati in the Jetta Grove in Anapindika's monastery. At that time, a certain man said to another man, quote, I will present master upananda the son of the sakyans with a robe then he said i will i also will present master upananda the son of the sakyans with a robe a certain monk who was going for alms heard this conversation of this of these men then this monk approached the venerable upananda the son of the Sakyans. And having approached, he said to the Venerable Upananda, the son of the Sakyans, quote, You, Reverend Upananda, are of great merit. On a certain occasion, a certain man said to another man, quote, within quotes, I will present Master Upananda, the son of the Sakyans, with a robe. Then he said, quote, I also will present Master Upananda, the son of the Sakyans, with a robe. End quote, within quotes, end quote. Quote, Your reverence, these men are my supporters. Then the venerable Upananda, the son of the Sakyans, approached these men, and having approached he said to these men, Is it true, as is said that you, sirs, desire to present me with robes? Quote, Quote, did we not think, Master, we will present Master Upananda with robes? End quote, end quote, end quote. Quote, if you sirs desire to present me with robes present me with a robe like this what shall I do with ones pre- presented that I cannot make use of end quote. then these men, three dots, spread it about saying quote, these recluses sons of the Sockians have great desires they are not contented It is not easy to present them with robes. How can Master Upananda, before being invited by us, approaching, put forward a consideration with regard to a robe? Monks heard these men, who, three dots, spread it about. Those who were modest monks, three dots, spread it about, saying, How can the Venerable Upananda, the son of the Sakyans, before being invited, approaching householders put forward a consideration with regard to a robe." Then these monks told this matter to the Lord. He said, Is it true, as is said, that you, Upananda, before being invited, approaching householders put forward a consideration with regard to a robe? It is true, Lord, he said, Are they relations of yours, Upananda, or not relations? They are not relations, Lord. Foolish man. One who is not a relation does not know what is suitable or what is unsuitable, or what is right or what is wrong for those who are not relations. Thus you, foolish man, before being invited, approaching householders who are not relations, will put forward a consideration with regard to a robe. It is not foolish man, for pleasing those who are not yet in parentheses pleased three nods. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. In case various robe funds come to be laid by for a monk by two men householders or by two women householders who are not relations of his, thinking Quote we will present the monk so and so with robes, having got various robes in exchange for the various robe funds. End quote. Then if that monk, out of desire for something fine. I was, just about something sick. I was just thinking about something sick to wrap around my tender throat. I was dreaming like a Texan.
1: Girl. I was dreaming like a
0: Texan girl. Thank you, Annie Lennox. Uh, approaching before being invited, should put forward a consideration with regard to a robe, saying, "Quote within quotes, indeed it would be well to do. Let the venerable ones, having got a robe like this or like that, in exchange for the various robe funds presented to me, the two together with one, there is an offence of expiation involving forfeiture." For a monk means, three dots, by two means, by two. Men who are not relations means, three dots, back through seven generations. Men householder means, they live in a house. Women householder means, they live in a house. Robe funds means, gold or gold coins or pearls or jewels or coral or plowshares or cloth or threads or cottons. For these various robe funds means for these things that are present. Having got an exchange means having bartered. He, uh, we will present means we will give. Then if that monk means that monk for whom the robe funds have come to be laid by. Before being invited means three dots, quote within quotes, three dots. What kind of robe shall we get in exchange for you? Approaching, three dots, should put forward a consideration with regard to a robe means, quote, let it long three dots, end quote, for these various robe funds means for these things that are present, things being in parentheses, like this, three dots, present it means give it, both its are in parentheses, the two together with one means two people for one, open parentheses, robe parentheses. Our desire for something fine means wanting what is good, wanting what is costly. If according to what he says they get in exchange one that is long or wide or rough or soft, there is an offensive wrongdoing in the action. Three dots. Uh, so then the rest is the same as uh, part eight, except instead of householder who is not a relation, uh, it says a householder. It says householders, and instead of a relation, it says relations, right? Makes sense? Three dots. If he gets something of small value in exchange, while they desire to get something costly in exchange, if he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer. So presumably in those three dots was it is not an offense if. And that is the end of Nisagia 9. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed it i hope everyone's doing well um and uh yes oh i forgot to say that uh at the beginning i opened with namaste this is an ancient sanskrit phrase which means that the light within me acknowledges and honors the light i'm just kidding it it means hello all right. So, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for going on this ride with me. Hopefully, I didn't forget anything. I feel like there were there were things I wanted to mention that I didn't mention about Shiva and about yoga and about Kanchan and about all of that. But yeah, uh, eh. if I if I remember later, then I'll uh, I'll mention it at some future point. All right. I will close now with the prayer which my father taught me when I was very. Oh, there was one thing that I remember it was uh, when I was going through my yoga training in California. Um, the teacher, uh, well, anyway, was saying that that you shouldn't know and understand that Om is a Hindu thing, not a Buddhist thing. That there's many ignorant people who think that Om is a Buddhist thing. And of course, as I mentioned, that there was some influence some Hindu influence on Mahayana and Vajrayana thus as a result they say Om quite a lot and uh, that particular teacher was like you know we need to walk on eggshells and not offend that we, it needs to be understood that yoga is Hindu and it's like uh, you know that's like debatable A and B I mean it's as much Jainist as it is Hindu and uh, C the Tibetan yogis are Buddhist yogis Um, There's a a great book called Tibetan Yoga uh, by my friend Ian Baker. Can I say he's my friend? I interviewed him once, met him twice. Well, anyway, he's someone that I've met twice. Um, I think he might remember my name if he saw me. Um, But, yeah, uh, we'll read that book when we get to that shelf. It is on that shelf. I include Ian Baker as part of my scriptures and uh, he is still alive so he's an exception to my rule about not having people that are uh, within the past 50 to 100 years um, you know having their books in this uh, series he is the exception Uh, I think I'm out of cards though so I'm not going to point to anything but if I'm not out of cards if you don't see anything pop up there that means that I am out of cards but if you saw something pop up that has to do with Ian Baker. Okay, so uh, now I'll close. All right, I think I've said everything. Not very articulately, but I got it all out there. Okay. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Oh.